Hey there, welcome to the Rim Church Podcast. We're so glad you found us. The Rim Church is based in San Antonio, Texas, and we believe in loving Jesus, building family, and changing the world. Wherever you find yourself today, we trust that it is not by accident that you're listening to this message, and we believe that God has something to speak to you right where you are. For more information on what we're all about, go ahead and visit us at therim.church or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. We hope you enjoy the message. Rim Church, happy birthday once again. Yeah. Uh, if we haven't had the chance to meet, my name is Drew, and uh, it's a joy. I say it often, but I really do mean it. It's a joy to get to be uh, your pastor. Uh, man, this week we've been spending so much time just looking back over the course of the last two years and just celebrating uh, just God's handiwork. And, uh, and if I'm honest with you today, my hope is that we don't leave this space uh, looking back and going, wow, like as an organization, uh, good for them, way to go. Uh, I think a lot of times we have a tendency anytime you're celebrating an anniversary that we look back and we go, hey, it's like Starbucks. They turned two. Great. Maybe I'll swing by and grab a latte. Uh, or good for Coca-Cola, but instead to look at this as a family. And as a family, we celebrate a birthday. And so whether you've been here from day one or maybe two months or just two weeks, regardless, welcome. We're glad that you're here. Now, if you've been hanging out with us for any amount of time, you've probably walked into this space with a lot of questions. Um, we've traded in uh, a conventional, maybe even traditional model of what it looks like to be a church. And if you've been here for a little bit, you've probably noticed that. You're kind of like, well, wait, wait a second. Uh, you were in a gym. Uh, we don't have a traditional building. Uh, there's a stage back here that we've intentionally chosen to not be up there. And some of you, you we've, got, we've gotten emails, and we're sorry that it's hard to see us. Luckily, I'm tall, and this works out well. Um, and whether it's, you know, just the, the minimum decorations or you hear us talk often about house churches or where, like, our missions and where, where we're giving. If you're giving to this church or partner with us, where those things go. And we come in and you just kind of look and go, it just feels a little different. Or even, and you will get a chance to do this at the very, at, right after this, this message, something that we've been practicing over the course of really these last two years and some of it more even more recently is just going, hey, we want to always give you space, give you time for you to sit with Jesus and ask the questions, what's he speaking to you? What's he whispering to your heart? Why? Because let's just be very honest this morning. Not a single one of you in this room need to hear what I have to say. Like your whole life is filled with sound bites and news articles and information after information. You don't need just my opinion. What we need more than anything is we need just to pause and actually hear what God is saying to our hearts. And then from that, how we actually get to live moving forward. And then we'll, we'll pray together, which is very strange that uh, the church, the family of God, was always meant to be uh, a people of prayer, a house of prayer. But if you check most churches these days, sadly, that's only just a small part. Or prayer is just a good transitional moment from one thing to the next. And so us just learning how to be a faith family. Many of you, if you've been here for a little bit, like I said, there's a lot of these questions. And today, my hope is that we'll, we'll shed a little bit of light on those things, but I don't want to get ahead of myself, okay? Uh, because uh, there's a lot more that we need to realize in this story. And we just looked at Hebrews uh, 10, and I lost my space, so give me a second. Uh, Hebrews 10 
verses 23, uh, it says this, and there's some really powerful um, focal points here in this scripture that's going to set up our time together in God's word. And here's what Carmel just read. It says, let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering since he who promised is faithful. And let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, we've been in this series that we've been calling Thrive, and it just perfectly lands up on our birthday. And as we've been looking at these different, I guess, really focal points of Scripture that say, hey, if you want your life to thrive, this is what you kind of got to step into. That Jesus said in in John 10, 10, I've come to give you life and to give it to the fullest. And the idea behind that is that Jesus is inviting us into a life that we cannot achieve on our own. That he's looking at us and goes, hey, I don't want you just to survive. I don't want you just to get by. I don't want you just to make it day in, day out. No, I'm actually inviting you to thrive. I want you to experience life and life to the fullest. And so we've been in this series, and today, based upon this scripture in Hebrews, this is what I want you to say. I'm going to go ahead and just show you my thesis, where we're headed, and then we're going to unpack it. And here it is. The first thing that we see in verse 23 is that we are called to remember the past. To thrive, we have to remember the past. This is what he says. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering since he who promised is faithful. There's this, it's retrospect. He's looking back. Like, don't forget that he who promised is faithful. He's made these promises. And maybe you haven't seen them yet, but we look back and we're reminded that he is consistently faithful. But we remember the past, which allows us to live in the present. This is verse 24. And let us watch out for one another currently, right now, this moment, today, to provoke love and good works. So we remember the past, we live in the present, and then he's going to encourage us to dream big for the future. Verse 25, not neglecting together, to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you look ahead and you see the day approaching. Okay, and then in verse 32, he's even gonna loop back and he's gonna go, hey, just, just, it all starts with remembering. Remember the early days. So the focal point today is this. Now, the title is just remember. For us to thrive, we have to remember. And this is the phrase that I want us to catch today. That we have to inherit the past in order to transform the future. So we have to inherit the past in order to transform the future. Remembering the past helps us to live in the present and dream bigger for the future. So to thrive, we have to be a people that remember. Now, some of you, you've heard me share this, especially if you've walked through our, our Seder meal. Uh, but I've heard a Jewish teacher just kind of walked me through this observation of the Jewish people. Uh, that represent, this is interesting, 6% of the world's population. But... The Jewish people have won over 60% of humanitarian awards, including the Nobel Peace Prize. So just consider that. Less than 6% of the world's population has won 60% of the humanitarian peace prizes in recent history. You have to ask yourself the question, how how could this be? How, How does this happen? And this teacher who was walking me through this, he said it this way. He said that he believes that the reason this is true 
is that from the age that young Jewish boys and girls, like just this tall, they are told who they are and what they've been a part of. They've been told their story and the story of their people, that they're not just an individual, but they belong to something bigger that's been going on for thousands of years. And so today, it's important for you and I to remember the story that we're a part of, that we're invited into, and it's important for us to tell it often, that we have to inherit the past to transform the future. I mean, just imagine that every year the Passover meal is celebrated by the Jewish people and they gather together and they tell the story about how their people were, were enslaved to Egypt and that God, by his faithfulness, he rescued them and pulled them out of the, the, this, this land of slavery, out of Egypt and leads them to the sea and they feel like they're trapped, but God opens up the Red Sea and they walk across and dry land and they wander through the desert, but God still made a way, provided for them every step of the way until they make it into the land of rest. Now here's the deal. Even right now, 2021, imagine being uh, a young Jewish boy or girl. There's got to be like, hey, wait a second, time out. Hey, th I wasn't there. That, 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 that's not my story. That was so long ago. But Jewish moms and dads look and go, no, it is our story. Because it's our family and it's our people. And we have to inherit the past to transform the future. And even this, this week, reflecting on these past two years, church, it has been unbelievably overwhelming in a good way. Because if, when you get lost in the day-to-day, -day, when you just, as a staff, sometimes we're in the grind, or as house church leaders, or just a part of this family, it's really easy to zero in and look and, and, and see all that God doesn't seem like he's doing. All the things that you wish were better, but when you pause and look back, you begin to see God's fingerprints over the course of the last two years and realize that God's been really, really faithful and really, really near these past two years in our lives as individuals and as a faith family. So I just wanna tell a little bit of the story today, if that's okay. Uh, and so whether this is week two or you've been here all two years, remember this is your story as well. And so, uh, for those of you that don't know, um, in the summer of 2019, we'll just be back up a little bit more. For a little over four years ago, my wife, Jane, and I moved from Washington State uh, here to San Antonio. Uh, we moved here to help a very large church in San Antonio shift some culture and become actually a church planting movement. That was the point. We wanted to help. They wanted they needed help with discipleship and mission. And so we said, okay, we would Maybe this is our new assignment. So we moved to San Antonio. And in the summer of 2019, we, we started inviting people into our home, into our life. Many of the staff were part of that. Uh, and then also many of you. And about, about over the course of a summer, about 200 of you began to just share meals and do life in our living room to the point it was like, hey, uh, we can't just all fit in our living room. Uh, we, we can't, that, that sounds crazy. If immediately I thought you probably had the image that we could put 200 people in our living room. And you're like, dang. Drew's loaded. Um, it was like 25, 30 at a time. Let's just be real clear. Um, and so we just realized, hey, we couldn't all be together. And so it was time for us to maybe go public. 
that what if, like, what, what if we could find just a space that maybe 200 of us could meet and worship together and hear God's voice and then spread out into the city and have impact. And so uh, this basis, Charter School, was, uh, is really close and it ended up being the cheapest place uh, in Northwest San Antonio for us to meet. When I say cheapest, by like 25% of the like cheapest of, like above that. Um, and so just to give you a frame of reference, uh, Clark High School, which is not, I mean, it's a great school, but not a great venue to meet. It was actually been horrible. Uh, wanted four times the price of here for us to meet. And we were just like, God, you just, you opened this door. We'll meet here. This is awesome. So September, so September 20, or 15th, we decided we'll just, we'll, we'll just open it up and we'll worship. We did zero mail outs. We did no advertisement. We didn't tell really anybody about it. And then that Sunday, um, 1,200 people showed up to this gym. And uh, yeah. we literally, Walmart had no parking spots. Uh, Malachi, you had to call the next day and apologize uh, to the owner or the manager, which he was really gracious. He was like, honestly, that, our, that was our highest sales Sunday uh, <laughs> to date. So they were real gracious. Um, and we had to, we did two, we did two gatherings. And uh, now here, I know we clap and 1200 sounds amazing. If we're honest, we had many conversations uh, about the nightmare that that was. And here's why. Um, it sounds great if you're hosting an event. It's not great if you're trying to build family. And why is because there were a little over 1200 people that don't know our family values, don't know what we care about. They outnumbered us, and if we're not careful, they get to decide the culture and pull it away from family and just make it what we'd always seen, just another programmed event on Sunday that lasts an hour and 15 minutes. And so some of you actually may have been in a part of these conversations. I spent the, last, or the, the next six months uh, talking about 600 people into going back to our sending church. Um, and so just going, hey, like this is our heartbeat, this is our values. If that doesn't line up, we love you. Uh, it'll probably be better for you here. Uh, we're going we're gonna to frustrate you a lot. And, uh, and, and then COVID hit six months into this journey uh, as a church plant. So this infant church, COVID hits, and we have to learn to push pause. And overnight figured out we don't have anything online. How do we do this? And so we're, I mean, listen, Malachi, you, you were leading. I keep going back to you. You're just close. And I see you. Uh, that was yours. You were overseeing all this gathering. And then it was like, uh, we literally drew straws. Like, who knows anything about cameras? And uh, he's like, my mom and taught me a little bit. Uh, and so you, you, got, you became in charge. And uh, we, this is crazy. We've done, from now, we've done 75 online gatherings since that day to this day, which is just wild. And we figured out, tried to figure out how do we do this thing. And then in COVID, uh, and we just watched the world stand still, frustration. We watched, you know, a global pandemic and the reopening of our country's deepest wound of racism and injustice and the most politically divisive year yet. And we just tried to figure out how do we navigate this. What's interesting is, uh, Lashad, I just want to brag on you, is Lashad and, and his wife, Doriana, Lashad is essentially an elder in our church and uh, he's been just a really, really close friend. And so when Amari died um, and Peter in the back, these two men just stepped into my life and just began to like walk and hold my hand and uh, teach me like why these things matter. And Doriana, you and Lashad, that like next Sunday, stepped into a deep conversation just about 
and racism, and we just kind of tossed you the ball and said, hey, teach us as a church. And you were so gracious, and, and Peter, you've been so gracious to just walk with us. The next day, George Floyd was murdered. And just kind of going, okay, God, like, how do we do this? And here, I just want to pause really fast because if any of you are in this room and you feel like this is a political statement uh, or this is pandering, uh, I need you to know that's not this. This is me wanting you to, like, as God was teaching us how to actually step into the margins and, and mourn with those who mourn and weep with those who weep and, and empathize and actually love people that are different than us, that don't have the same backgrounds. And so, man, Peter, me and you, we went, uh, I think Aria went as well. We went downtown to Mark's Outing as a, a black-owned restaurant, and we ordered a bunch of hamburgers, and we went uh, and sat down with the downtown precinct of police officers. And so one half of the table uh, is our brothers and sisters of color, and then the other half is police. And we just dialogued and had a conversation. And uh, our dinner tables began to become more diverse. And some people in our church, I love this. This is one of our favorite memories is, uh, Scarlett, I saw you walk in earlier. Uh, she's doing with kids. Um, some people in our church got Tiff's treats for all of our black families and just are those adjacent to the rim and just sent them cookies and just said, hey, we see you and your life matters to us and we're in it with you. And just those little moments that become like really sweet as we kind of stepped into a very divisive season of talking about politics. And we went there. We were, I feel like maybe that first conversation about racism, we were like, oh yeah, we'll talk about whatever. And we went in and we stepped into it and talked about the political divisiveness and that ultimately you and I were not a people of the elephant or a people of a donkey as followers of Jesus. We are a people of the lamb and we live for a better kingdom than just this one. And um, yeah. And then we think about just a few months later, there would be this epic snowstorm and uh, in San Antonio. And we'd have uh, to figure out how do we do this. And one of our, our staff members, or just maybe it was a collective, we just said, hey, what's our superpower? And uh, we're like, we're family. And what would family do in this situation? We go, we would just call everyone and see how they're doing and see if, how they could help. So literally, if you were part of the family, you probably got a phone call from one of us on the team and just checking in, how are you doing? Do you have power? Do you have water? What do you, you need anything? And about half of us were like, hey, we need this. We go, hey, we'll figure out how to take care of it. Uh, and then the other half were like, hey, I actually have extra water. Does anybody need anything? I have extra this. I could do this. I have a four-wheel drive vehicle. I can take care of this. And literally, we just played matchmaker and you guys just began to help each other open up your homes and just started doing life together, taking care of one another. And it was amazing. We had two people, three people move in with us over the course of uh, the snowstorm. Just, man, I just, listen, I know you're like, ah, oh, Drew, this, the point of all of this is not for us to pat our backs and be like, oh, are you so impressed at how cool we are? Like, are we, aren't we so great? No, I just, I want you to see God's faithfulness when you choose to do it his way that the church was always meant to be a family. And, we, we, and it's messy, and it's not polished, it's not sexy, but it's way more valuable, and it's way more life-giving, and I really do believe it's way better. And so, yeah, we, thanks, Katie. You're, uh, 
I may just give you this microphone if you want to come up here. Um, and so even just our intentionality of just a few weeks in of going, hey, can I be honest? Like, um, if we started asking the question, what is church? Like, what is it really meant to be? And as we looked, like, we just we said, hey, let, let this be the guide. Not, not our traditions, not what we've seen our entire life, not what we just, what naturally feels like. If this is the book, we let this one be our guide. How does Jesus look at the church? What does he anticipate it? We've been talking a lot about this, that it's, it's a family. It, it, or the other big illustration, it's a body. And listen, we've got a lot of people in the medical field that are part of our church. And here's what I do know. If only two or 3% of the body is functioning properly, Pen, are you even alive if it's only two or three? Yeah, you're dead. And sadly, the majority of our churches that we're seeing, there's just two or 3% that get up here on the stage and we exercise our gifts and your job is just to sit silently and cheer these people on. Maybe, maybe give on the way out to keep, so they can keep doing that. And we just got to a point where we're like, God, you never called us to be spiritual performers or spiritual event planners. And so we're literally gonna step off of the stage and try to make this as much of a living room as possible so that we can just hang out together. And so that's been a big part of the journey. And since day one, we have chosen to be a people who are anchored in scripture. And we'll be really, really clear. When I say that we are anchored in scripture, I don't mean the six staff members and maybe the house church leaders are anchored in scripture. That we've said as a family, we want each and every person for their hearts and their lives to be anchored in scripture. And so it's why we, we do little things that maybe I don't know if you've picked up on them, but why we were so intentional with the Bible reading plan these last two years. That we just said, hey, listen, the number one answer when we talk to people, do they read the scripture is maybe once or twice, once or twice a, a week. And this is if they're usually on leadership at a church. And, and, and it goes down from there. And so we just started saying, well, what's, what's the barrier? And many people, this was the number one answer, we don't even know where to start. We don't know where to go. Or I, I feel like I'm alone in it. And so we said, hey, what if we just created a Bible reading plan that just said, hey, for five days a week, you can take two to catch up. And for five days, one chapter. What if you knew that there were 200, 300 other brothers and sisters that were reading that exact same thing that that day that you could follow up and go, hey, LaShawn, you read that as well. Hey, I was really confused. Anything stand out to you? Josh, how was that for you to be able to walk together as a family? And then we decided that we would actually preach. This is so fun to me, that we would just preach from what you read this past week. And so we're reading Hebrews right now. I think you'll read Hebrews 10 tomorrow, I believe, or maybe it's on Monday or Tuesday. And so, like, we're just walking together, and I love that, that we said that we wanted to be a family on mission, that this was our, our heartbeat. And uh, so a lot, one of the number one questions we get often is, Drew, you talk about house church a lot. Is house church just glorified small groups? Is house church just a cool, trendy way to talk about, you know, Bible study? And, and we've said No. That when you hear us talk about house church, what we mean is literally the church that meets inside of the homes. Once again, looking here at the scripture, what we notice that there, there is a minimum ecclesiology, a minimum markers that define a church. And here's what they are, if you've ever been curious, okay? There are three things. One, there's a pursuit of Jesus. 
Two, there's actual community. People know each other, taking care of each other's needs. Three, they're outward focused and they're on mission. So that's it. That's the only three things that paint the picture of the church. And so we've got people in here that are leading these house churches. We have 10 house churches right now, six that are being developed. There'll probably be 20 of them by the end of 2021. And here's what's crazy is we, we get so much backlash where people go, Drew, that, that doesn't count. You can't count that as church. And we go, why? Number one response from usually pastors of other churches. Well, that whole pursuit of Jesus isn't being led by someone that went to school. You don't have a full-time band leading the songs. They don't say it like that because that sounds pretty dumb. (laughs) But that's, you know what's interesting? Outside of America, the majority of the churches are being led with people with far less education biblically than each and every one of you in this room. Many of them without copies of their own scripture. When we have 10, 15, 20 collecting dust on the shelves. Gonna get, can I get real spicy for a second? Let me cut this out of the podcast. Uh, most of these pastors who just go, well, we're a real church, those aren't real churches. You know what's so sad? They zero in on just that up factor but far, most of them aren't walking in real community or family. We say it often. It's like you get about as much community as you do when you go to the movie theaters. A great experience that you sat silently in the dark and watched, and then you high-fived a stranger on the way out. But that's not family. That's not community. Way less mission. Real talk. Average in America, in the Western church, 2% of the budget goes outside of the four walls of the church. That's average. 2%. At the rim, 53% of it goes outside of the walls of this, of this, of this community. That, that's not to brag. Here, here's what I want you to see. The vast majority of these pastors that throw rocks and go, Malachi, it's not, it's not real church are actually not doing the other two things that qualify them as a church. That the vast majority of our house church, I say all of our house churches are more of a biblical church than all of these buildings that you see in San Antonio today. Start the podcast back up. (laughs) I just, I felt like I needed to say it. Uh, So, but this is why we choose to be a family on mission. It's why we, we, we're disciples that make disciples. We, we say it often, we want to train, equip you to be a disciple of Jesus so that you can go and you can make disciples yourself. Uh, do we have uh, Maitza? Do she, I thought I saw her earlier. She, she's somewhere hanging out. Uh, there you are. Um, our staff have floated this picture all week, going back and forth. And this is one of our, our greatest highlights uh, of just these last two years of, of watching this young woman get connected into a house church, not knowing Jesus, and then over time falling deeply in love with him. 
and surrendering her life to Jesus. And now is like, man, a force to be reckoned with inside of the house church, in the community, loving people so well. And I, was, I texted Austin uh, this week and I was like, Austin, uh, how many baptisms are we at? Uh, just out of curiosity. And I'll just be, let me just pause. We are horrible at keeping records, okay? Uh, not my gifting. It's one of yours and you need to help us. Um, and so, and he was like, it's at least 30. And I was like, in two years, 30. I was like, and then the Lord just began to like, man, just breathe so much encouragement into my heart. Uh, Austin was saying at least 30, but we can't keep count because there are people getting baptized like Rebecca inside of Jesse and Channing's living room or Val and Marlene watching you baptize someone in your hot tub in your pool and bathtubs and showers. Um, and we just, you kind of can't keep count. Uh, I even think, I see Dante. Is it today? Dante, you're, you're getting baptized in a, a, an apartment pool. Um, you've been following Jesus now for, for a couple months. And then here's what I love is not only will you get baptized, but then you'll turn around and you're going to baptize two men that you've been walking with. Uh, gosh, I got to go. Like, weird. I'm getting stuck. Let me just love you. Uh, yes. Okay. So a couple other things. From the very beginning, we've, just, we've chosen to be a people who are radically generous. Uh, Chris Harl, I won't tell all the story, but I remember uh, we had just come back after COVID and we um, had this wild idea. We knew that so many people were hurting, in need, and we just said, hey, God is a God who's specific and he wants to hear your prayers. And we passed out all these index cards. Everybody got an index card. And we just said, whatever you're wrestling with, whatever you need right now in this season, you need God to step into this moment. Would you write it down? And then it can be anonymous. Just put your phone number on the back of it. That's it. And we collected those. And as an act of worship, we put all of them on the table in the back. We just said, hey, as you worship, go back there, pray over the cards. And if God just spotlights one of those, pick it up and maybe answer that prayer. Maybe you step into that moment and actually answer this, that prayer. And one of the prayers was that of financial need and somebody in this church, I do not know who it is, just cashed out someone $3,000. Someone was like, hey, I just, I want, I want to get healthy. And I don't know how to do it. And someone in our church goes, hey, I train people on how to get healthy and I'll, Let's meet tomorrow. And we just started being the church, being radically generous, not just with our finances, but with our time and our energy as well. Fun fact, this is just cool for you. Uh, like I said, the 53%, uh, this, these past two years, okay, uh, we have either given or set aside $684,000 towards missions. Two years, church plant towards local missions here, towards the refugees, towards college students, towards community that doesn't know Jesus. We're praying about general missions all the way down to the border. We're praying about international missions. We believe that God is gonna use the rim to help take one unreached people group, people who do not have access to the gospel in their own language and help that unreached people group become a reached people group. And we're just praying about God, who is that that you're putting on our heart? And we don't know. And maybe, maybe you do. Maybe God tells you. And we need to know. So to church planting. 
We multiply everything. That's why a few uh, months ago, we commissioned our house church leaders and sent them out to man plant new house churches, and we'll get to do this in a couple of weeks again. I remember uh, one Sunday, we gave all the kids arrows. Uh, we, we, we filed them down so that they weren't sharp and dangerous. But just reminded of the Psalms that says that our children are like arrows in the quiver, and arrows aren't very dangerous in a quiver. But they're called to be taken out, put into a bow, pulled back, and launched into the world. And that's our responsibility as parents and as a church. Uh, and then the last core practice that we have is that we're people who gather to scatter. And even during COVID and post-COVID, I don't know if you know this, but we were able to rally together. And one Sunday, um, we just said, hey, you know what church is? Church is loving the community. We're not going to do anything in here. Uh, we're just going to take 10,000 pounds of food and hand deliver those boxes to refugees uh, right across the interstate. And so we hand delivered. And many, here was the point. It wasn't just, hey, drop the food, knock on the door, and run, and hopefully you won't see these people. We're like, no, no, you, your goal here is to actually get invited in for tea to learn to play with these kids, maybe hang out, build relationships, relationships that we're still building on today. A couple of months later, school was starting and we decided as a church that we, would, we wanted to support these families. And so we bought a backpack and filled these backpacks with supplies for every single refugee kid in Northwest San Antonio. And then we hand delivered those, you did, not staff, you did, you hand delivered those to these families each kid by name, praying for them. We did something very similar to UTSA as we prayer walked the campus and then filled their food banks with food during COVID. We are a church that gathers to scatter. Uh, Mark Overstreet, where are you at? I just saw, there you are. Uh, oh, Ella's here too. I'm, I just wanna brag on you for a second. Ella, Ella just entered in the fourth grade. You were in third grade at the time. As is a church, uh, we just talk about how we're called to love Jesus and to change the world. And so Ella is falling in love with Jesus and uh, carried the gospel to her third grade classroom and sat down with uh, one of her students and just started sharing Jesus and how much Jesus loves this other third grader. Uh, why? Because she's a world changer. Because what we do over here is not just glorified daycare. Like we're training up our kids to love Jesus, to also build family, and to go out into the world and to change it, starting at their third grade class. And church, this is who we will, yeah, it's, yeah. Church, this is who we are, and this is who we will continue to be. A group of people who desperately love Jesus, I want to leverage everything that we have to help you love him as well. To see that he really is a treasure that's worth pursuing. He really is as good as he promises that he is. And we want you to see that. And we want you to be a part of a family. Because we believe that life is best experienced inside of community. Not like a family. An actual family. And we want to be a people that are called to change the world. 
believing that if we have eyes to see the brokenness, that God is sending us into our little pockets of influence, our little spheres, whether that be in the community, with refugees, with college students, and everywhere in between, God is sending us into those places to make those places look a little bit more like heaven because you were there. That God is not asking us to be a people that go, hey, let's see if we can collect a bunch of people from the community and get, here, get them here to basis and so we can check a box and feel good about ourselves. No, no, no. We view you as actual, if you love Jesus, as missionaries. And we're here and this is just our little conference, our little family reunion where we remind ourselves of who God says about us and how we get to live. And then we scatter into the world to make a difference. We worship in here. But if our worship in here doesn't lead us to mission out there, then let me be really honest with you, it's not worship. It's just singing. It's just karaoke. So church, there's a lot to celebrate. God has done so much these last two years. And I feel bad that I just kind of got to like just do these little snapshots of celebration of just bragging on God and bragging really on you. Um, and, I'm, and I'm so sorry, that was so fast. But here's how this kind of lands. And this is what I think is really, really cool. For 2,000 years, God has been writing a, an epic story that he's calling the church. So roughly about 2,000 years ago, this thing stepped into existence that God created at this church, the family of God. And here's what I want you to see. Now, today, that it's, it's our turn. The baton has been passed to you and I, and the pen's been put in our hand, and we're getting to write this chapter. And we'll write this chapter that, that the next generation will build on. And so here's what I want you to know. Whether you have been here since page one of this chapter, or you jumped in on page five, 10, or today 15, I want you to know that it is important that you know where this story started so that you can actually help write the future. And so this story that we share today isn't just the story of a few that were around for two, two years ago. If you choose to be a part of this family, this is your story as well. And I want us to remember it. I want us to tell it well. Why? Because if we don't inherit the past, we will never be able to transform the future. And so church, today we have so many reasons to celebrate and we're gonna do it really hard in just a little bit with food trucks and a bouncy house um, that I think adults can get on. Uh, I don't know, we'll see. Um, and I joked earlier that, you know, that it's, we may call it an after party, but it's a part of this gathering. It's not dessert. It's not the optional thing if you don't have anything. Like we wanna encourage you, celebrate. We're building family together. So church, here's what I wanna do. I wanna give us, as always, 120 seconds, two minutes. And right where you're seated, I want you just to maybe pause and ask the question, God, what are you speaking to me today? What is it that you have for me? It could be specific. Maybe it's what is it that God wants you to remember? What does he want you to reflect on? Or just maybe it's something completely other than that. But what's God saying to you? And then the second question is this. 
based upon that today, how do you get to live? What do you get to step into? So would you ask and just sit and journal, do whatever you need to do, but this is your time between you and God. What's God saying to you? And then how do you get to live this week? Thanks so much for listening. We hope that today's message resonated with you. It's our hope that you wouldn't be merely inspired, but that you would actually be transformed by something you heard today. At the Rim Church, we always ask two questions when processing God's word. What is God saying to you? And what are you going to do about it? We encourage you to take a moment, reflect, and then to share with a friend or send us a message. We'd love to hear what God is teaching you and how we can help you take your next step in obedience. Until we meet again, we love you, church.